This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Tonight, our hearts and prayers go out to two families in British Columbia, in particular the family for Constable John Davidson, gunned down in his heroic efforts as he saved others, the ultimate sacrifice, and the wife and family of Alan Schoenberg, who was granted a company day passes this week. Some things in life are inexplicable, but we always try to make at least some sense here. On the Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate everyone about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse in the field of sexual health, author of the book Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other, researcher, blogger, clinician, TEDx speaker, and your resource to help start that conversation, answer your questions, and help you discover new and exciting things about sex, love, relationships, your body, and your health. I make no innuendos, no judgments, and certainly no apologies, just fearless, straight-up sex talk. Let's hope for you it will be illuminating, educational, get you thinking outside of the box for once and have a little fun at it while you're at it. So please stay with me. There is, of course, an aspect of sexual health that is dark, and that is sexual abuse, any unwanted sexual advances, pedophilia, and rape. For those of you who have been sexually abused, you are never far from my heart. I certainly wish you all the best on your healing journey, which can take a lifetime. I keep you in my prayers. Please put the kitties to bed. It's one of those nights you want to be under the covers. You want to grab your hot toddy, your lover. And thanks for joining me. First and uh, foremost as well, my heart goes out once again to all of the women who are coming forward, victimized by these men that seem to feel that uh, they can do anything they want in the workplace. Good evening, Amir, and nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. How's it going? Oh, it's going very well, thanks, on this blustery day. Oh, it is wet out there. It certainly is. I actually pulled into a parking space a little bit earlier, and I am glad I had my hunter boots on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the water was up to my ankles, at least. I was, you know, they, I tested out the boots, and yes, they are waterproof, so that's fantastic. Yeah, I walked in just like completely soaked today, but I didn't mind a little bit of rain in my hair. No, no, not at all. It just makes us look just that much sexier, oh, don't yeah. you think? <laughs> <laughs> the windswept hair. <laughs> what were you doing? Anyway, hopefully you put the kids to bed before we start all that. Um, uh, typically, I start off with a, uh, uh, do I have a caller on the line there? Uh, no, you don't. Oh, that's not me. Okay, good. Going to tell you a little bit about the show, but you can call into the show if you'd like, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Sad day in British Columbia today. We had um, Constable John Davidson's funeral services and just heartbreak. Um, listening to his children, of course, speak and... Um, you know, his daughter, Dina Davidson, in particular, talked about the invincibility of her father and how she just thought, uh, because of the way he protected them, that nothing would ever happen to him. Life is very, very hard at times, especially in times of loss. Also, I just wanted to make mention of the Alan Schoenberg situation where he has been granted, Alan Schoenberg, who murdered his children um, in merit several years back, and he's been granted accompanied day passes. And, you know, I I wonder if uh, the judge realizes just how dangerous that is. Um, I actually work in the correctional um, facilities, uh, the correctional system in this country. And uh, when I, whenever I see anybody who has been brought in on a warrant or domestic violence or uh, perhaps too drunk, has misbehaved, I am accompanied by two 
RCMP members at all times. And when the violent criminals come in, I am not even allowed to see them. So that is how, uh, and, and you know what? It's considered a dangerous environment in which to work. And so we're allowing somebody who's actually murdered children yeah, that to, makes no sense to me. Um, anyway, I think a lot of people are up in arms about that. We stand with his wife, ex-wife, uh, Darcy, and um, certainly none of us feel safe knowing he may be out there. And, you know, especially relying on humans. Humans make so many errors in in life. So uh, these issues are coming to light so much more and more, and I believe we're going to be talking about this for a long time, given, given what is going on and what has been going on in Hollywood and Washington, D.C., between Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, Al Franken, and, and Roy Moore. You might ask, what's the big deal if it's just a lewd comment? Well, it is a big deal, and there's some research out about the effects of non-physical sexual harassment, and I'm going to review that with you tonight. Recently, I was talking to some wives at uh, an event. Uh, they were all married, and uh, we were talking about women initiating. And you know what they were we were talking about, <laughs> initiating you-know-what, just in case you haven't put the kids to bed, uh, because that seems to be the biggest complaint of guys. Yeah. <laughs> women never initiate you-know-what. So it's too early in the show for me to say what, <laughs> but you know what I mean. So I, was, I made the comment that probably there's some women in longer-term relationships or in relationship that... That initiate because I don't, you know, I like to be inclusive. <laughs> uh, like women who have a new husband, like a really new husband, like a woman whose husband she's had for like a day. Anyway, regardless, is there such a thing as a perfect marriage, or is it time to accept the perfect, the perfectly imperfect marriage? And what is that anyway? And what if your marriage isn't that great, especially in uh, this in 2017 with all that, you know, how far we've come technologically and how far we've come in terms of pornography. And, and, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't mean to put it in that way, but in how pornography has uh, morphed <laughs> and become accessible to basically everybody, um, and how agreements have changed and how we're more openly looking at different agreements in marriages like open marriages. And, and so, Would some old-fashioned marriage tips work in today's marital environment? And it is cold out there today in particular, Amir, wouldn't Mm -hmm. you say? Kind of freezing. And so it might be time to cuff it. (laughs) 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 We typically cuff in blustery, windy, chilly, Mm -hmm. pumpkin-spiced latte weather. Yeah. So uh, you're probably wondering, what the heck is cuffing? <laughs> I am. I don't know what you're talking about. You have come to the right place. You're going to learn what cuffing is, and you all want to do it. All of you, even whether you're promiscuous or not. Wait till you hear about this. Um, also, what if you could just access intimacy? Just any time. Anyway, got you uh, intrigued? I hope so. I'm going to be talking about that as well. And how about uh, sexuality and the shame that's associated? There's just so much. There's a situation going on uh, with one of my patients, and it's it actually it's amazingly involves the entire neighborhood oh, <laughs> on some level. I can't tell you yet, but I'm going to. Um, but there's a real shame around sexuality and sensuality, and it's just an incredible story that I'm not able to tell you tonight. <laughs> But stay with me in 
sir, in future weeks. And believe me, you'll hear it. Um, so but what is the real shame around sexuality? So we're talking a little bit about that. And can you get a co- condom stuck? <laughs> Did I choose this subject? <laughs> Where is this going? <laughs> it's going down. Anyway, we're not. <laughs> we'll talk about it a little bit later. But we're going to talk about a little bit more pleasurable things because I always like to end on a high note. Uh, pleasure that women should experience, of course, as long as they don't get a severe headache or sneezing or have a seizure while doing it. We're going to be talking a little bit about that at the end of the program. And at what age do you think you have the best sex of your life and why? Going to uncover that. And if you can tell me what age you believe that you've had the best sex, and it is the age you can win a prize here on the Sunday Night Sex Show that I will send to you, Amir. This is the good news. I'm not going to leave it on the 20th floor. <laughs> <laughs> We're not stressing us out, okay? This is cuffing season, all right? Nice. Uh, so you can just give me a call and tell me what age that you believe you've had the best sex. Hopefully it's not gone yet. Maybe you're looking forward to it. Maybe you're thinking a particular age in the future is the age for you. Um, but just tell me why as well. And so the best answer wins and wins a pretty darn good prize. So you'll have to stay with me to, um, uh, to enter the program, of course. And the prizes, of course, um, I haven't actually chosen it yet, but I'm going to choose something <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> and so, uh, and also your emails. I'm going to read all of your emails like this one. What if your husband isn't into you anymore? Oh, no. <laughs> That's trouble. Okay. <laughs> That's an even bigger problem. But anyway, emails like that. And I love your emails. Six oh, uh, no, sex talk. <laughs> what is going on? I was it's so. It's the rain. Is it the rain? <laughs> yeah, I think so. All right. I uh, apologize. Uh, sex talk at cknw.com is the email. But if you want to call me, I am going to tell you the prize that it's going to be. And so I'm going to actually give out. Yes, I'm going to give out a womanizer. And so the uh, and that's a $200 value. So 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. you got to tell me at what age you have or will have the best sex and why. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on Newstalk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on Newstalk 980 CKNW. Thanks for being here with me this evening on this blustery night. And uh, just before we went to break, I said uh, I'm going to be talking about the best age for sex and why. Uh, but I want—I asked you to call me and tell me what you think. So Rob is on the line, and he's going to tell me what he thinks. Hello, Rob. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? Um, it was great up until, uh, like, I was probably in my 40, I was basically 45, and uh, my wife and I have been married for 20 years. Uh, but after our daughter got born, that's when things went sideways. So and how many years ago would that have been? She's four and a half, so it's almost five years. Uh, oh, almost five years. You know, that's a <clears throat> common complaint. So you were what age? When she was born? Yes. Or when we, yeah, she, well, I was 45 when she was born. Oh, you were 45 when she was born. Okay. Yeah. And so... We, we, we waited a little bit, so... Yeah, so things tanked, huh? <laughs> Or, or became non-existent, I guess, is the other question. So. <laughs> See, I think this is the real locker room talk. I've really never been allowed in one, but... 
Well, this is this is it. So, yeah, so. I mean, basically, this is it went persona non grata after that. After that, so and yeah. so 40, uh, 40 years of age was your your last great sex year. Pretty well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not the answer, but I, I appreciate the call. And, uh, you know, it's important, and I'm going to be talking a little bit more about the importance of sex and intimacy in a marriage um, tonight and, of course, every single week henceforth. <laughs> well, I'll keep listening. So. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks Thank so you. much. Take care. Hello, Paul. Paul is on the line. He has an age, apparently, as well. Yeah, I'm going to save my 20s and, and right into my 30s. Oh, so you had like a decade-long time of great Actually, sex. <laughs> I I never thought it was going to end. <laughs> and then what happened? Well, the thing is, I didn't realize how much testosterone my body used to produce. Oh, and so it, the, it, the, does the problem lie with you, Paul? Pardon? Does the problem lie with you? Oh no, I'm just I'm older now. I'm in my um, in my fifties now, but in my twenties, oh my god. Um, <laughs> I, I learned how to squeeze my PC muscle at a very young age. I hope you don't lose your memory. Oh, no, I could... I, <laughs> could be your only hope. My memory. That, that'd be the... That's, well, I'd rather lose my memory than my <laughs> testosterone level. But, and so it has declined because you don't feel like having sex. Oh, no, no, no. I'm still horny as hell. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Can you say oh, that no, on no. the radio? No, no. Is this the only show where they say that? No, I'm sorry. They say that on the John McComb show. No, I still have, I still have um, quite the high libido. It's just that the pleasure you got from your orgasms when you're younger, especially when you could have. Um, okay, I'll tell you. I was in the, in the locker room at my work, and some guy was bragging how he came. He had three orgasms, and he was like, "Everybody's like, wow, you had three. And I'm going, "Is that all?" Like I was trying to go get back to saying how much testosterone my body used to produce. And having like sex all night was like, you know, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like there was no effort to it. It was just because it was. And this is yesteryear. Like this hasn't happened for a number of years now. Well, I'm still, no, I just. The sex life has dwindled. Oh, it's dwindled. Yeah. Say you could say you had, for example, three to eight orgasms a night. Okay. Now you may only have three or four. In a year. Okay. Um, well, that's not the age that one, according to this research study, that one would have their best sex. Well, you know what? Years ended fairly early. That's a little hint for the rest of you out there that no, want to no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. The sex, <laughs> the sex is still good, even now. It's the sex. Your best. Your it's, best year. But the testosterone, <laughs> where your body, you can just... Have you had your testosterone level checked? Um, I'm still, like, I'm still... Quite yes fit. or no? No. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So how do you know? Who's diagnosing I, you, Dr. Google? I just know my body. Okay. <laughs> I bet your body, your testosterone level is probably just a little bit low, but in the normal range, still lower in the normal range, likely. But I actually, um, I actually did some research on that about as you age and your testosterone level. Now, it's actually probably where it's supposed to be. Perfect. Okay. So, yeah. Anyway, well... I, I guess we won't get your best year of sex, but anyway, <laughs> you've given us a lot of other information. But I gather it was around 35. Teen to about 48. Okay, fantastic. It Not, was all those years. All right. Well, th- good for you, Paul. Thanks so much for the call. So I didn't get to my subject, but I'm going to get to it when I come back to you after 
the news. I am Maureen McGrath, and you are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. It is my pleasure to be here with you this evening, and thank you so much for being here with me. Don't we have fun on the show? You can always call me if you have any questions at all, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Or if you want to win the little womanizer, just tell me, because we're going to be covering the subject soon, tell me at what age your best sex life was. What year was the best year for your sex life? It could be in the past, it could be coming in the future, and tell me why. But at the moment, I want to talk about how the Weinstein scandal has opened a floodgate of other women to feel comfortable enough to come forward to talk about the sexual harassment and abuse that they have suffered in the workplace. It's like the Titanic has turned around in terms of believing women and their stories. For years and decades, basically, women have been afraid to come forward and say what has happened to them, in part because some of it has been psychological. Some of it has just been lewd comments. Or if you just said, told somebody one thing that somebody did, they'd kind of say, well, no big deal. But often there can be a psychological campaign against somebody, especially in the workplace. We have these power relationships in the workplace, and often it's often tied with money where there's unhealthy power over somebody else, or it can be tied to a vulnerability or, or somebody desperate to work in the field in which they're passionate about. And so people take advantage of that. Some people take advantage of that. And they wield this unhealthy power over somebody else, basically instilling fear in them and at times saying, threatening them not to tell anybody or they might lose their job or not get the role or some other inflict some other fear upon them that they're they may go so far as to say their family may be harmed. Such was the case of a a soccer player was at the University of Oregon that had happened to her. And so. We typically in research in the past have looked at both physical and psychological or non-physical harassment, and we've coupled those together. And you often hear people say, you know, physical abuse is terrible, and it is. It's horrific, but the emotional abuse is often worse. And so there's a study out of Norway that is the first to look exclusively at the effects of non-physical harassment. And I thought this was really interesting. The boys and girls who participated in this particular study in Norway were equally exposed to non-physical sexual harassment. In fact, 62% had reported it in the previous year. This is Norway. This is a lovely country. This is quite a liberal country, an open and liberal, forward-thinking country. But in spite of the fact that both boys and girls reported, and a significant number of boys and girls reported exposure to non-physical sexual harassment, it would appear from the results of the study that the mental health of girls was more negatively affected. So what do I mean by non-physical sexual harassment? Well, it's derogatory sexual remarks. It's unwanted sexual attention. It's people saying to you, oh, I'm so, you're so hot, or saying other things about one's sex life. It's exposure to lewd jokes or obscene gestures and also sexual images. All of this causes psychological harm, according to this new landmark study. The researchers in Norway 
questioned about 3,000 high school students on the impact of peer sexual harassment. Now, you wouldn't think that this goes on in the high schools, but this is sort of the breeding ground for sexual harassment, and it carries on into the workplace. As I said, the boys and girls were equally exposed to this non-physical sexual harassment. So the girls were exposed and the boys were exposed, which probably means that the sexes were exposing these things to one another. And both boys and girls experience negative symptoms as a result of harassment, according to the researcher, the lead researcher, Leif Edward Oatsen Kenner, out of the Norwegian University of Science and Technology. He was the co-author of the report, and this report was published in the International Journal of Public Health. But what is notable is that the girls reacted with more distress. They had more symptoms, a higher incidence of depression and anxiety as a result of the harassment than the boys did. And this study comes at a time when sexual harassment and sexual assault are forefront in the news. They're dominating the headlines. And all of this seems to have come about after a two-year journalistic investigation into Hollywood former mogul and now monster Harvey Weinstein. And many other political figures, uh, movie stars, well-known people, icons, have had accusations leveled against them. So this is a pretty significant study in that... um, that we're looking just exclusively at the non-physical sexual harassment. So we're not coupling it with the physical harassment because most research combines both the physical and the non-physical sexual harassment. As I said, it's very difficult to describe what has happened to you if somebody has shown you a lewd picture or, or made a lewd gesture or said something inappropriate to you. Trying to recall that when you tell somebody else doesn't seem to equate to the amount of psychological damage that people suffer, which is why I advise people to write things down, especially if it happens more than once and you write down the date and the time and who was there and where you were and exactly what happened. And it doesn't have to be prose. It doesn't have to be beautifully written. It just has to tell the story. So there have been other studies as well. Um, that uh, looked at high school students that uh, around um, in the past that have looked at this type of sexual harassment. Um, and there were different types, and that affects their, well, their mental well-being. And so in this particular study, students decided whether they perceived an action or remark as harassing, negative, and unwanted, and only reported what they deemed was offensive. So there were a lot of things that are acceptable at the teenage level. And derogatory comments included remarks that were objectifying, homophobic, and had the intention to shame somebody else. The researchers did account for the stressors that could have influenced the youth's responses, such as whether their parents had split up or whether their parents were unemployed or if they were a sexual minority or an immigrant with uncertain legal status and if they had been sexually coerced in that year or had ever been sexually assaulted. So they accounted for all of those stressors. They controlled for all of that. 
Being female was the greatest risk factor for struggling with anxiety, according to this particular study. Also depression, negative body image, and low self-esteem. And the second most important factor was non-physical sexual harassment by their peers. And the researchers also found that the students who were sexual minorities, non-heterosexual, reported more psychological distress. This is incredibly psychologically distressing. This is something we need to converse with our children about, with society. We need to allow people to express their feelings um, because this study may have come out of Norway, but believe you me, this is happening to youth in other countries, including our own country here, Canada and the U.S. Certainly kids in high school in this country experience similar feelings. As I said, Norway is one of the most gender egalitarian states, mm-hmm. uh, and it's very sexually liberal, and um, there's a high incidence of sexual harassment in this secularized world, in this lovely country. And it's important to note that these negative psychological effects are noted. And so this happens, and, and you know, I think in this day and age, Parents want to have not only a perfect marriage, or they put that out to the neighborhood, but they want to have their kids be perfect as well. And that's really a big mistake. What we really need to do is make our children accountable for their behavior so that they learn. All types of harassment and abuse negatively impact a child's well-being, and that includes bullying and online victimization. And so the most important message to our children is talk to an adult you trust about what's happened and keep telling somebody until you get the help that you need. Keep going to that trusted person, whether that be a guidance counselor in the school or your own parent or a trusted adult in your, in your life. And, you know, there's, we need further research on this, but I think This starts with education in the home. It's how we treat each other. It's how parents treat one another. It's how parents treat their children. Because nobody's born this way. This is learned behavior. And there's a tolerance that's building up for this. And until we take a look at it, we're not going to understand why some youth are more resilient to harassment than others. And, you know, to be honest, kids who are not heterosexual have fewer places to seek support so it's it's only fair in life that everybody is treated well and treated with dignity and respect and gets the help that they need. And we also need to train adults and teachers, uh, people in the school system, in the sports leagues, how to work with kids because we need to be able to better recognize harassment and be able to respond to it. So, you know, the effective interventions... I'm not so sure because we're only uncovering what's been going on for a long time. But just continue to have the conversation or develop some programs around this because it's really important to build respect, good communication, and healthy relationships. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath, thank you for being here with me this evening. If this is the first time you've listened to the show, well, welcome. Stay tuned. Uh, 
it's there's a lot of variety, wouldn't you say that, Amir? Oh, so far, <laughs> yeah, I've learned a lot just being here. Four oh, I'm weeks s- now, maybe. I think. Oh, I'm so glad. But have I covered cuffing yet? No, no. I, w- I would have remembered. <laughs> you would have. It's cold out there. It's late autumn, early winter. The air is crisp. We're donning sweaters and and down coats and wool jackets and the whole nine yards. The sun is setting earlier. And there is just enough nip in the air to uh, skip those after-work drinks and head on home and yearning for a little bit more uh, body warmth beside you in bed or on the couch. Maybe it's time to get next to somebody and uh, lie together with them watching something like Stranger Things. Have you seen that? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, my no, God, it's I'm, amazing. I'm late to the party, for sure. <laughs> you are late to the cuffing party. <laughs> It's fantastic, but this is cuffing season. And so it's basically whether you are that promiscuous type or single or even in a relationship, cuffing season is, it's really um, kind of a, there. there's biology in this and it's that desire to be uh, lying next to somebody to have more warmth, to be in a more serious relationship uh, and people who would normally rather be single or um, or, or even promiscuous, find uh, themselves that they have this desire to cuff somebody huh. or get tied down by a serious relationship. And so the cold weather and the indoor activity causes singles to become a little bit lonelier, perhaps, and maybe a little bit more interested in being cuffed. And so, you know, there's uh, there's some evolutionary history that is related to this, according to clinical psychologists specializing in love, sex, and gender roles, Dr. Wendy Walsh, cuffing season has happened in our evolutionary history every time the days get darker. You see, we're walking around in DNA that is hundreds of thousands of years old, and in our anthropological past, there was less food and resources available during this time of year, and hunter-gatherer survival happened better if you were in a pack or if you were coupled up. And so that increased your chances of survival of yourselves along with any offspring that came out of it. So that adheres to today's world. So your desire to stay warm, get under a blanket with somebody, watch an entire season of uh, This Is Us or... (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not a Netflix addict. Anyway, (laughs) This Is Us or Stranger Things or, um, you know, that that hails from caveman times. So most babies are born between July and August, and that means most people get busy, uh, you know, in during that uh, early winter season. Mm-hmm. So, and also dating app uses, usage surges as the first snow touches the ground. Wow. So, yeah, interesting. And so you start to see the correlation even today between climate change and coupling behavior. So if you're having a desire to get into a relationship or you're on the promiscuous side, you've been finding yourself having uh, extramarital relations (laughs) and all of a sudden you're staying home more and the wife seems like you're it, see, it seems to your wife that you're a little bit more trustworthy. Well, it could have something to do with cuffing. <laughs> and so it's not, a dan- it's not a dirty word. It's not a bad word. It's actually an okay word. So you want to do that. You want to cuff. And um, 
you know, also, I don't want to really uh, rag on men too much, and that's why I decided to go with this subject after cuffing. <laughs> I don't rag on, I don't think I rag on no, men. No, I don't think you do either. I think you're pretty respectful. You're um, just telling it like it is. But you sometimes know? we're, you know, we're talking about all the sexual harassment and all the things that occur in the world, and you feel like, you know, you're always raising it, but nobody believed women before. Yeah, and true. all of a sudden, there is a... A sea change of, of belief. The Titanic has turned around and we are believing us. Yeah. Of course, me too. Hashtag me too. It's happened to me. But, you know, there, I talk a lot about unhealthy power um, over people. And, you know, we have to have consensual, mutual relationships. And, you know, non-sexual touch is a very powerful vehicle for men to create that intimacy touch is a human need and men have a right to touch and to be touched with love and empathy and empowerment and it is possible for men to create a background of intimacy and a ground of health that is based on consensual touch and being seen and often being heard and it's healthy intimacy that for men that allows you to find power from within yourself rather than power over somebody. And so cuddling is a good way to do this. And did you know that there are cuddleists out there? I did, actually. There are people that have cuddle parties and They stuff do like have that. cuddle parties. Yeah. Well, now they're called cuddleists. Okay. <laughs> it's consensual, non-sexual touch with clear boundaries and expectations. Yes, there are cuddle parties. NFM, not for me. Oh, yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, just the thought of the laying on someone's rug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, my OCD could not handle that. Uh, <laughs> um, but these cuddle, this cuddling, and you know, you can go to a cuddleist, and there's no shame in that, um, if you can afford them, can uh, support men to become stronger and more com- confident and comfortable with themselves. And they feel like they have more control in their lives. And it allows them to claim this basic human right while bringing pleasure to others. And this is empowering for men. And I think that's the conversation we need to start having because we're always talking about this sort of vague, nebulous empowerment of women. And what does that mean? When I actually think that it's men who are feeling disempowered, men who are feeling lonely because of the lack of intimacy in their lives. I mean, one email after another uh, underscores the desperation around the the lack of intimacy in people's lives. The callers often call in saying that it's been a long time since they've actually had intimate relations with their wives. And so this is becoming more and more of an issue. And I think it's related to this this idea of that, you know, I have to be married, I have to get married, and, and we're looking at someone else to fulfill us as opposed to looking within and looking within yourself. And I think as you get married, as you get into a relationship, you don't look outward, you look inward, and that allows you to have a healthier relationship. But if you're not in a relationship, you may actually go to see a cuddleist and have somebody reach out and touch. <laughs> <laughs> no touching, just cuddling. Anyway, and uh, so when I come back after the break, we're going to talk about those imperfect, perfect marriages. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show, News Talk 980 CKNW.
You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.